Blog Talk Radio. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Ed. The definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Mazurak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience, comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice, fantasy picks to click and flick, the latest NFL news, and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazarak. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is September 1st. Yes, September 1st, 2020. Uh, The season is about a little more than a week away. Actually, it's nine days away. And yes, there will be an NFL season, or at least there will be a start to the NFL season. My name is Michael Nazarek, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on the web at ffmastermind.com. And with me, once again, my very good buddy, uh, let's get right to it, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight? Really well, sir, really well. Good to be in September. It seems like this year has gone forever, but August went quick. Football was going on. <laughs> You're exactly right there. I mean, we've, we've got a lot to talk about. Very excited about it. Uh, the big game uh, in uh, Kansas City between the Texans and the Chiefs, uh, nine days away, uh, and this is our annual Sleeper Creeper show, and normally it runs long. We're going to uh, kind of truncate most of the rest of the show other than the Sleepers and the Creepers so we can spend uh, more time uh, discussing uh, our, our picks in that area, but there's a couple of big uh, noteworthy uh, news items that we have to talk about right off the bat. Uh, a couple of running backs, one wants to get, well, they both wanted to get paid. One's getting paid for sure, and that guy is Joe Mixon, Funny how the migraines went went away when uh, you, you signed a four-year, $48 million contract with a $10 million bonus right in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, Joe uh, J- Joe's getting paid. That's $12 million on average a year. Uh, so right off the top of the bat here, Chris, your thoughts only on Joe Mixon. Is this is this a good thing? Is this going to make him lazy? Or you, uh, does, does, does it make you want to draft him? What 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 what, what do you think? Well, I definitely don't think it'll make him lazy. He showed that in going down the stretch each of the last two seasons, he has absolutely been gangbusters while playing for really bad teams that were far out of it. So I have no doubt that this is, this, this is not going to impact how hard he plays. He played hard under, very, under circumstances where he had every reason to quit on, on a season. So he'll be fine. But the, the interesting thing to me is that he has been kind of creeping up a lot of people's draft boards into like that late first round, early second round area, kind of the next wave after the big six running back, the big five or six, depending on who you have. And a lot of people at the back end of that back six, people have concerns about so people like Dalvin Cook. Will he hold out? Will he get hurt? Um, uh, obviously, Alvin Kamara we're going to talk about in a bit. Derek Henry, does he never, he never catch passes. I think if you have any concerns about the back end of those first two tiers, Joe Mixon is a great guy that you just don't have to worry about, and he's just a cut behind him. If, if, if that kind of thing scares you, a guy like Mixon should not scare you. Okay, that's good. Good to hear. Okay, uh, oh, by the way, I did get that note from you. We will talk about Leonard Fournette here in a second. I was just really pressed for time. <laughs> pre, 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 uh, 
pre-taping notes. Oh my gosh, I just uh, very very busy right now. Before we get to Leonard Fournette and his issues and where he is right now, uh, or lack of a team there, uh, Alvin Kamara. Okay, he's uh, been missing from Saints camp for the last two or three days, kind of under mysterious circumstances, uh, kind of like with Joe Mixon, you know, with the quote migraines up in Cincinnati. And uh, apparently his uh, agent has been working on getting a deal done. Now, earlier in the offseason, at the tail end of the offseason, he was asked about his contract, and he said, now nah, I'll let uh, my agent deal with that. I'm just focused on the season. Well, now all of a sudden we see, you know, uh, uh, Joe Mixon uh, got paid. Of course, that happened just today, but apparently uh, Kamara is wanting to get paid. Now, it's interesting that apparently uh, word leaked out that he wants $16 million a year, which is what McCaffrey got with, uh, with the Panthers, but the thing is is that he doesn't do everything that McCaffrey does with the Panthers for the Saints because they have Latavius Murray. they got other backs there, uh, and, and the Saints apparently are comfortable giving him $12 million a year, and that just so happens to be what Joe Mixon got just today. So the question is, uh, before we actually get into the fantasy impact on this, um, Alvin Kamara's agent is still working to try and get this deal done, and he said that he has not requested a trade, but it came out that the Saints are okay with trading Kamara if, they, if he doesn't accept what they want to give him or if they don't come to some kind of quick agreement on a, on a contract extension probably here in the next couple of days. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on this? You think Kamara's going to sign a deal with them? Is he? You think they're going to trade him, or what? What do you? What, what do you think? And if you're a fantasy owner, do you avoid drafting him? Oh, I, I think he's too good to avoid drafting him. I mean, obviously, everyone has their price. I think this does break a tie, like I said, with guys real close to him, like a Dalvin Cook, like an Ezekiel Elliott, depending on where you have him and what kind of system you have. The other thing, interesting thing about things like that that quote unquote leak out to people here. Somebody leaks it out for a reason. They have, a, they have an obvious benefit to it. And the, the, there's no reason for Kamara to say, hey, I think the team's going to trade me. So this means that someone for the Saints was willing to let it get out there, were willing to trade him. It sounds to me, my gut feeling is that this is the Saints calling the bluff, saying, yeah, of course we'll trade you. We, you're, not, you're not so indispensable we can't trade you. I, that's my guess. I think this is going to get done. I think both sides need each other. It's a good system, a good fit. So I, I think it's going to get done. I don't think he's going to hold out. He's given no indication he's going, to, he's going to miss time. He's been, like you said, he's been there, except for missing these days recently. But my understanding is that he, the team said he's been in camp, even though he's just not been on the field. So there's some weirdness going on there. I, I think the team is calling his bluff a little bit just to let him know you're not going to push us around. But, yeah, we'll work with you. We're still talking to your agent. So I'm not too worried about it. But, again, if you're debating Ezekiel Elliott versus Kamara at that three pick, I think that's a great tiebreaker. Yeah, people have been saying now there might because of this news that there might actually be the big three once again of, of McCaffrey, Zeke, and and uh, and Barkley. So the question is, if you're at four, do you take a pass on Kamara or for a Dalvin Cook or a Derrick Henry or whatnot? But uh, you know, I, I'm, all I know is that right now uh, with everything up in the air, if I was drafting uh, tonight and this situation was not resolved. I would not take Alvin Kamara right now. Uh, I, I would go the safer route and go with a Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry, and he might slide seven, eight, nine, ten all the way to, to the end of the first round because of the situation. Because people don't want to, you know, uh, be, uh, be be caught off guard or, or draft somebody uh, like like Leonard Fournette. 
who was drafted uh, as a high number two for a lot of people, and now Leonard Fournette doesn't have a team. But, I mean, I'm just saying is that if he slides to the end of the, end of the round or towards the end of the first round, I don't know. If I'm, if I'm, I'm looking there between Alvin Kamar and Joe Mixon at this point, I might be in t- inclined to take Mr. Mixon over, over Kamar just because of the situation here. It just d- depends on how much it, it drags on. Hope, fortunately, in my case, my next draft's not till Sunday, so hopefully, fingers crossed, and I have the sixth pick in a, in a $250 our FFPC draft. Uh, I, I hope I don't have to make that decision, and I hope that the Saints do come to some kind of agreement because I think he's a good fit there, and we'll just see. Now let's get to Leonard Fournette. Um, I, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I hated this guy in terms of drafting him for fantasy this year because I had a feeling, a bad feeling, that he was not going to be with the team at the very latest, right before the trade deadline, because they did not pick up his fifth-year contract, and it, 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 it just deteriorated. They tried to trade him in the spring. They tried to trade him in the summer. They tried to trade him during training camp. And uh, uh, Doug Marone, the head coach there, said, we tried to do everything. We couldn't even get a six-rounder for him. So they cut him. So it looks like now Reichwell Armstead is going to be probably get the first crack in the early downs at least. They got Chris Thompson there, a very good pass catching back. They got uh, they got a couple of uh, other guys, uh, young young guys in the in the back. But I, I think the main guys now are going to be Armstead and, and Thompson there. But uh, now we were thinking that maybe he might be traded when this announced. Nobody wanted him then. Uh, we're thinking maybe is he going to be claimed off waiver wire for today? I don't know. We're, we're yet to be seen that. But there's uh, there's a whole bunch of mess going on because the Jaguars uh, voided out his contract. He's filed a grievance against that. He wants the 4.2 million that he's owed. Uh, you know, he, he, he did post a nice little message on Twitter saying that, you know, he thanked the, the city and he's going to get a more focused, whoever signs him is going to get a four, more focused team. So quickly, Chris, where do you think uh, Leonard Fournette ends up? And do you draft him in, in a draft right now, him being a, a free agent? Well, without a team, you've got to draft him much, much lower, obviously, um, than you would. Uh, I was actually discussing this at lunch with my buddy today, another experienced fantasy owner, and uh, I actually had a thought. that Here's, here's my crazy wild prediction of where he ends up i'm gonna say he's a los angeles charger and i know you're saying wow they got austin eckler he's a top seven back and everything they don't have a guy i mean echo is a very different beast he's he's, a, he's you know he's a, he's a pass catcher he's basically uh he, you know he's james white light he's faster but he he doesn't catch cut 92 passes but he had like two rushing touchdowns he finished sixth overall with two rushing touchdowns they need a guy like leonard fournette they need a guy to do the melvin gordon stuff that Melvin Gordon did last year, because I don't think Eckler can do that over 16 games. It's just my gut feeling, a very conservative, run-oriented coach like Anthony Lynn is going to wait till he clears waivers. They don't have to deal with the grievance and the salary and everything, and they're going to sign him to a cap-friendly, maybe million-dollar veteran deal and, and pair him with Austin Eckler in the backfield. That's my out-on-a-limb prediction here. It's very interesting. I mean, obviously Chicago comes to mind because they have David Montgomery with the groin injury. He might miss a week or two there. Uh, Tampa Bay comes to mind because Ronald Jones is uh, really not proven, and he's got a foot injury, although we're, we don't think they even think it's serious there. Uh, I mean, even they say uh, the, the Giants could be interested in him. I don't know. Why, why, why do you need him? You've got Barkley there. But, uh, you know, uh, Seattle, because they don't, they don't have much – they're kind of thin behind Chris Carson. But uh, it is very interesting, and I could see him filling that role of Melvin Garden uh, – Melvin Gordon, uh, you know, in, in, in Los Angeles as a charter, it's going to be very interesting to see where, where he lands. And I believe that in the uh, FFPC ADP right now, the drafts that are going off right now, Fournette is being drafted in a 12-team league in round 9 and 10 area. And Armstead, as a Jaguar, is being the first Jaguar being drafted, uh, first Jaguar running back being drafted in the 6-7 round area. And I think that's a little bit too high. 
too too yeah. expensive for for my taste there. What do you think? I totally agree. That's that's too high for a guy that's proven and for for frankly an offense that doesn't really impress me. That whole team is clearly, you know, they're tanking for Trevor is what it looks like to me. <laughs> they're looking for, for to get Trevor Lawrence next year. They're, they're selling off everything, and, and I, don't, I don't see that as being a team with a focus and a path and a mission and a guide right now. That, they're just, I, I'm going to stay away from that, that team in general now this year. Okay. Well, uh, uh, we're not going to go over a list of injuries because basically ffmastermind.com is comprehensive. We cover everything, all the injuries. Uh, all the injuries for the preseason are free on our NFL Quick Bits page. If you want to hear comments and stuff, my comments and, and thoughts and opinions and a more comprehensive overall list, and uh, subscribe to our draft guide. It's only nineteen ninety-five. Um, we want to also, of course – mention uh for everyone to come to uh ff mastermind and and check out all of our stuff for the for the uh the preseason year as well as the in season and of course also to check out myffpc.com if you're on the fence about playing and you're like well my local league's not playing because of covid situation uh well you can play for as little as 35 dollars online at myffpc.com 77 dollar leagues 150 dollar leagues 250 I, i'm in a 250 dollar league with a chance to win a, a main event team valued at 1900 for next year and of course i do have a couple teams in our main event check them out myffpc.com we will be right back after this important message you know you want to dominate your fantasy football league manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source fantasy football mastermind found on the web at ffmastermind.com there's plenty of good free stuff and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way President and CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years' experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's Expert League Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim. Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP, they cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, uh, we just want to remind everyone that during the preseason here, this is what we do. We update our master's list, customizable cheat sheets a lot. Uh, I mean, pretty much every every third, second, third, fourth day. Our MCP board has just been recently updated uh, on Monday. Our EDM has, of course, been updated, too. That's our drafting software. And, of course, uh, our preseason draft guide, version 5, 26 fantasy articles, including at least four or five from Chris Rito on uh, COVID-related articles, tricks of the trade, uh, playing as a fantasy owner, playing as a fantasy commissioner during COVID. This is very interesting and very important information. It's 524 pages right now. It's going to grow one more time this Friday with a few more articles. Uh, it is uh, currently 19.95. Like I said, our premium rates: the Pro Bowl package, which is the guide plus the newsletters, 49.95, and the Super Bowl package. Everything we have, including the drafting software, is 59.95. And please. Follow me on Twitter at FFMastermind. Let's get right to it. Our, our sleepers. We're each going to offer two sleepers at each position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Chris, two quarterback sleepers. Tell me who they are and why are they sleepers. I'm going to go with Phillip Rivers to start with. I mean, he's not going to be a fantasy starter for you for sure, but he's got a dozen straight years of being a fantasy stud, and despite having the workhorse back and some really bad O-line play for most of those years. Now that defense in, in Indy is good enough to keep him from winning on his own uh, with his arm alone <laughs> – <clears throat> so his volume might get reduced, but he has a lot of options, a better offensive game planner as a coach. He's the guy drafting, drafted outside the top 25 quarterbacks with the best chance of having a top 12 year, in my opinion. And for draft masters, his durability and stability is a nice positive to lean on. 
And then I want to also mention Jared Goff. He's got three straight years as a QB number one in 12-team leagues, but he's being totally ignored because he struggled with his touchdown efficiency last year, only through 22 despite a league-high 626 attempts. The Rams' offense as a whole struggled to be efficient like a normal McVay offense, but they also scored a ludicrous number of rushing touchdowns last year, which is sure to shift back towards the Rams and the NFL's norms this year with Todd Gurley gone. He's got the high volume, most likely because the defense isn't that good, and I believe the prior two seasons should not be overlooked when considering the usual efficiency for this offense. And he was still a QB1 last year despite a terrible season. I think he's got QB1 upside late in your draft. Okay. A couple of guys I like at the quarterback position, uh, well, my boy Daniel Jones, uh, uh, Eli Manning uh, Jr., I guess. Uh, anyway, uh, he's got to cut down on his turnovers, his his fumbles, uh, you know, taking sacks and such and, and throwing in picks and all. But I think he's uh, more disciplined. He's had a good camp. Uh, they, they've got she- Sterling Shepard, who's really having a good camp. Uh, Darius Slayton, of course, is a big play receiver. they still got Golden Tate as, a, as, a, as the guy in the slot. And Evan Ingram is healthy, and if he can stay healthy the whole year the coaches think he can catch 80 balls for a thousand yards and I think that this is going to all add up into probably a top 12 finish for Daniel Jones that's where about where I got him and the best news of all with him is that you can wait until the 10 11 12 round area because he's probably not going to be among the first top 12 because I, I I've got him I think 13 and that's about as higher than, I, than I've seen anyone see in terms of the ADP he's usually going 14 15 16 somewhere around there so if you want to wait and get a quarterback a good quarterback on the cheap then uh, Daniel Daniel Jones, you could do a lot worse than him. The other guy I like is Drew Locke. I know he hasn't uh, done much, uh, but he did show a lot of promise at the end of last year. He's, of course, got Cortland Sutton there. And then uh, Jerry Judy. Uh, it's funny. I was looking at uh, the, the, the Denver Broncos Twitter page, and they said court is in session Judge Judy <laughs> and court for Cortland and Judge Judy Judy for Judy, Jerry Judy. That was just a little joke, but anyway, uh, you see where I'm getting with this. Noah Fant also is uh, an emerging tight end. I think is going to have a good season here. He might be a little bit more bumpier uh, than than Daniel Jones to start out the gate here, but I think he's uh, worth a fantasy pick. And the best news of all is that you can draft him as a backup, and you might get number one or close to number one. Uh, uh, production out of him now on the on the flip side uh baker mayfield i still don't have trust with him i know the coaches said well we fixed his footwork he's doing pretty good in camp and all well pretty good i don't know the the, the unfortunately there's no been, been no preseason so we haven't seen if he's really uh, improved his chemistry at all with obj because that was just terrible last year now we know he likes to throw to joris landry and landry when healthy is all, uh, not you know he's great um david Njoku, austin hooper uh the tight end you know, it kind of hit and miss last year. There's a lot of talent there. Is ba- Baker Mayfield going to be able to connect with those guys? I don't know. Um, you know, he, he's. I'm seeing him go and draft before Daniel Jones, and that's not for me. So I'm not going to take ba- Baker Mayfield on my team this year. Aaron Rodgers, love him, the talent and all. It, it's just the, the simple fact is that the team is now run heavy offense. They got Aaron Jones. They got the rookie. They got uh, Jamal Williams. Uh, you know, of course, they do have Devontae Adams. He's going to get his and all. But now they're talking up Alan Lazard like a true number two, really. And then uh, MVS, that's all I'm going to say. You know, all he can do is run deep and then maybe catch the ball if he, if it's placed perfectly. I just don't have any much faith here. And I think uh, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to have his most mediocre season to date as a fantasy player, even if he stays healthy. And that's just not for me because he's going, he's going in the top ten in most uh, drafts for in terms of quarterbacks. And that's not for me. So who are you two creepers for you at quarterback, uh, Chris? Well, in many ways, the guy I'm going to mention here is very similar to what you just described for Aaron Rodgers. I actually have Tom Brady as a creeper. Now, he will not be a bust. I absolutely am not saying that. 
I just don't think he's going to be elite either like he's being drafted to be. You know, great quarterback, fierce leader, tremendous options at the receiver and tight end position, an offense that passed the 5,000 yards last year, but he's only done that once, and it was nine years ago. So I see why people are looking at those and drafting him as the number one in the top ten, but I also see a team that only threw the ball so much because their quarterback last year threw 30 interceptions and six pick sixes, and they were trailing in games. They had to throw. That is not going to happen in 2020. And the defense was actually quite good last year, but put in terrible spots. With better efficiency, I can see a tremendous decline in passing attempts in Tampa, maybe down by 100 or more from last year. And I just don't think Brady is going to merit being a quarterback one. And that's where he's been drafted so far. So, again, not a bust. just not as good as he's being drafted. And then, you know, speaking of Brady, talk about his former backup, Jimmy Garoppolo. This guy's been overrated for fantasy the whole time. And I just can't see drafting him even as a backup this year. The team was winning with him in his – before injury in 2018 and all throughout 2019 with pedestrian stats. He was quarterback number 23 last year. And this year, his receivers aren't any better. His running back stable is deeper with Jarek McKinnon returns. And schedule starts easy, but it's not as fantasy-friendly to quarterbacks as it was last year. With the defense being good, there's no garbage time. I mean, aside from his dreamy brown eyes and Brady-like cleft chin, I don't see him being worth the roster spot except in larger leagues. Really? You went there? <laughs> yep. I like that. Okay. Hey, How about a couple of running backs? <laughs> How about a couple of running back sleepers? Okay, another old guy that I'm mentioning here, he's gotten to get no respect, Adrian Peterson. He's the best running back of the last 20 years. He walked in off the street in 2018 and ripped off 1,000 yards, finished as number 16 after sitting out a year. And then last year with Geist not 100%, he then year went for 1,000 yards again while splitting time. Peterson, with Geist now out of the picture, is a great guy to add to your bench. His ADP is about running back 41 with a powerful weekly upside. I wouldn't bet against this freak being the bell cow again for Washington this year, and he's worthy certainly of a late-round flyer in your fantasy draft. A little bit higher up the draft board, I'm going to say David Johnson. He's being drafted in the fifth round on average, barely as a fantasy starter at running back 22 in PPR scoring, the same range as some very one-dimensional or RBBC-type players. But he's an every-down bell cow back playing on a high-octane offense with three top 10 running back seasons under his belt before the age of 26. Everyone says he was horribly misused and underutilized in 2018, and he still finished as number 10. Last year, he was number six through six weeks till he got hurt, and then he slogged through the rest of the year without recovering. Houston paid a lot to get him. They're going to use him. He's a number two. You can get us a number three or number two if you load up on receivers and tight ends earlier. I got a lot of shares of DJ in my league so far this year. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you there, Chris. Uh, David Johnson, uh, as long as he can stay healthy, I think uh, you know uh, there's no reason why he he shouldn't rebound there. A couple of guys that I like at running back. Uh, these are the the, uh, the hot guys from training camps this year: uh, Zach Moss and Damian Harris. Zach Moss in Buffalo. Uh, Devin Singletary. I was kind of high on him entering training camp. Well, he's kind of had some fumbling issues in camp. Uh, you know, he he's more of the dancing type guy around the line of scrimmage rather than ball go straight. You know and and that's what Zach Moss has been doing, uh, more of the Frank Gore-type uh, runs, uh, and he's been, been pressing. And, and on top of that, he's been catching the ball well, too. So I think that this is going to be a full-blown committee, and uh, so we adjusted our rankings accordingly. And I, li- I, I like Zach Moss. I, I draft him as a third running back in a 14-team league, and I'm very happy with that. Uh, and in it, terms of Damian Harris, a uh, former Bama boy, here's another Bama guy that I know. He's finally getting a chance there. Now, it's interesting that Sonny Michelle finally came off the pup list, and he was splitting carries, uh, touches with Damian Harris, and Sonny Michelle was looking fairly good. Uh, really, the return to the practice field by Sonny Michelle bodes badly, poorly for Lamar Miller, who actually has been update, uh, 
activated himself from the pup list with the, coming off that torn ACL, but I don't think he's going to make the team. I think they're going to cut him. But the bottom line here is that uh, Damian Harris, I think, is a younger, fresher, and I think better uh, guy than Sonny Michelle. They may end up sharing the carries early in the season, but I think if Damian Harris really gets a true opportunity, Belichick's going to see what he's got on the bench, and he won't be on the bench much longer after that. So that's that's what I like there. In terms of two guys that I'd uh, kind of – be wary of here, uh, and I'm going to you know, say it again, Todd Gurley with the bad knees. I mean, there's not much more needs to be said there. I know he's, he's being limited in camp, and they say, oh, he's showing his burst here and all. It, it's Sometimes he'll look really good like the old Todd Gurley, but then all of a sudden, you know, they pull in, have to pull him from the game. No one's talking about it. He doesn't practice. You know, then that's when you know the, the knees are acting up. And the bottom line is that I think the Rams hit a lot from the press because they had so much invested in them. Well, Atlanta is going to have to do the same thing this year. I don't know how much longer he's going to be in the league. Kerryon Johnson is another guy I'm kind of scared about. Now, right now, he's looking good in camp. Uh, you know, he is wearing the knee brace and all, but he is practicing. DeAndre Swift has a leg injury. But, uh, you know, he, he's uh, – I think he's uh, just came back into practice on a limited basis. So it's going to be an RBBC there, and I think the Swiss eventually going to push Kerryon Johnson out down the road. So that's another guy that I'm probably not going to draft on any of my teams, Kerryon Johnson. How about a couple of running backs you're not high on, Chris, and why? Uh, I mentioned Austin Eckler earlier when we were talking. Um, I, I do think they're going to add somebody like a Fournette, maybe a fullback like Roosevelt Mix, maybe a Lamar Miller if he gets released that's going to siphon some fantasy points. Um, I think he's going to see fewer dump-off passes this year, especially if Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen stay healthy. Um, I'm, I'm just being concerned because he's being overdrafted. I like him. He's going to be solid. You, you, he's not going to hurt you. But he's being drafted more like a running back six, like he finished last year. But most projections I have him see have him at a running back 15 overall. So just there's a disconnect there between where he's being drafted and, and what I think his actual product, productivity will be. So I just be cautious there of, not, of overdrafting him, but don't be afraid of him. And then for all the reasons you just mentioned, I'm, I'm really down on Sony Michelle. I'm convinced he can't stay healthy. And even if he is, that's a full-blown RBBC there with James White catching all the passes. The talented Damian Harris apparently removed from his, his inexplicable red shirt last year. Rex Burkhardt's in there siphoning touches. And let's not forget the greatest goal line rushing quarterback of all time is now under center in New England, most likely. So he doesn't even carry strong goal line value. I know his draft stock is dropping, but I'm still not sure he's worth the risk. Okay. How about a couple of sleepers at uh, wide receiver? I love John Brown again this year. I did last year. He was one of my sleeper list last year. And, you know, despite his inaccuracy for his first two years, Josh Allen shows he can throw the deep ball. This bodes well for a deep threat like Brown, but it's also worth noting that Brown has clearly been the top focus and target in the passing game for the Bills since he's been there and has chemistry with Allen. He's been a great red zone receiver in his career. He's been featured in the red zone in Buffalo. It's coming off a surprising to some, you know, 1,000 yards, 70 catch, six touchdown season. He's coming off the board as wide receiver 47. So you can get a solid number three receiver with upside at the draft cost of a number five or lower. I'll take him five or six rounds after Stephon Diggs in Buffalo and get comparable numbers in my opinion. And then I really like Golden Tate, another guy who's going to put up consistent number three potential that you can get as a number five. He's being drafted down there around wide receiver 45 or 50 again. His 10 games last year would have looked like 70,008 had he played all 16. Remember, he was suspended for four weeks and missed part of another one. So that looks a lot like a pretty good stat stat line. Would have been a solid wide receiver number two last year in PPR league. So he's got a good bond with the young Daniel Jones, and I think his stats could get better with a more mature quarterback and two pass-friendly coaches on the offensive staff like Garrett and Kitchen. So he's at worst a solid bye-week villain with number three upside, I think. 
Okay. Uh, a couple of guys I like at uh, wide receiver, uh, Jamison Crowder, who's been, clearly been the number one uh, most impressive receiving target uh, in Jets camp. Of course, most of the other receivers are injured right now. Uh, Bashar Perryman is still having knee swelling issues, but, but uh, Crowder, of course, plays out of the slot. Darnold loves to target him. Uh, you know, I can see at least 80 catches as long as uh, Jamison and, and Darnold stay healthy. No mono this year, hopefully. Uh, and then, of course, switching on over to the Giants, you like Golden Tate. I like Darius Slayton, the big play receiver. He's got another year under his belt, his second year now. Uh, I think he's going to uh, catch a lot more big passes. He's not going to be as consistent, maybe not catch as many balls as Tate, but I think you're going to see uh, a lot of uh, production from Darius Slayton. You could do a lot worse than him. A couple of guys that I'm not crazy about this year, Brandon Cooks. Word now comes out that, that they've kind of been babying him in, in, in camp and not doing all the reps and all, maybe to keep him healthy, make sure he's over all his concussions and all. I don't know. Uh, they're talking like maybe uh, you know he might not see the normal uh, targets early in the season because of that uh, I, I still prefer Will Fuller uh, who we know has great chemistry with Deshaun Watson and he's currently healthy right now but uh, so you know I, I actually we've drafted Brandon Cook so I'm not going to toss him aside at all I'm just not that crazy about him uh, Corey Davis in, in Tennessee I think he's on his last legs in that team uh, you know his second year last year was a big disappointment they got A.J. Brown now Jonu Smith uh, you know I, I and of course it's a Derrick Henry show it's a run heavy offense I, I just think that the big plays are going to be few and far between for Corey Davis. He's pretty much right off my draft board completely. How about a couple of wide receivers that you're not crazy about and why, Chris? Yeah, you know, I mentioned Tate, you mentioned Slayton. I'm going to talk about Sterling Shepard, a guy I don't like there. I've seen him consistently drafted ahead of Tate and Slayton this year, but he's likely the number three in New York. He's at best the number five option in the passing game behind those guys in Ingram and Saquon. This is not even a particularly high-volume passing attack, even with improvements by Jones and the coaching staff I mentioned earlier. He's not a real expensive player to draft, but I don't see him having the upside like guys being drafted around him, like his two teammates, like a John Brown, like maybe a Preston Williams. You know, maybe he's going to break out after three ho-hum seasons, but, but it's not going to be on my roster. And another guy who I think is being a little bit overdrafted is DJ Chark. Uh, I'm not so sold on him, who's currently being drafted as a number two, according to ADP. He had a bit of a breakout year, obviously, but it was very touchdown dependent. And Minshew actually threw as many touchdowns to Chris Conley as he did to Chark. In fact, Chark only had 300-yard games all last year, and two of them came with Nick Foles under center, don't forget. Um, he benefited from the total lack of receiving options because everyone was hurt for Jacksonville, and he still wasn't a clear number one there when you look at the targets. Adding Chris Thompson is going to take away those targets as well. So you look at he, he's a young guy, so it's not surprising. He was inconsistent. He had nine PPR games of 10 points or less, and he didn't really blow away in those weekly numbers without a t- unless he had a touchdown, despite having 10 games with seven targets or more. All these things with a profound lack of confidence in the Jaguars' offense do not make me feel comfortable spending a wide receiver number two pick on him. Boy, I tell you, you know, the, the poor Jaguars, and they no, no far net there. Their defense, uh, they traded away all the good players. Now we're trashing good players like Chark. Uh, are you going to target any <laughs> Jaguar player at all, uh, you know, in any of your drafts? Because, I mean, you know, it's, it's not looking good there. Anyway, how about the tight no. end position? Give me a couple of sleepers. So you said no to that. Yeah, I heard you. <laughs> how about a couple of tight end sleepers? Uh, you know, you mentioned Jamison Crowder. I actually think, from what I've been hearing, Chris Herndon has looked like the best receiver option in camp there. He, you know, and he, he had some chemistry building in the red zone, especially with Darnold. But he had that suspension last year, then the immediate injury. So nobody trusts the Jets. So you can draft him as a very late number two and potentially at low-end number one production from him, I believe. With the likelihood of negative game script causing the Jets to throw a bunch and not a lot of, not a lot of, lot of other dependable receiving options, like you said, I think a healthy Herndon, 
should way outperform his draft status with tight end number 20. He's got the highest per game floor and the highest ceiling of any tight ends being drafted around him in most leagues, I think. And then I like Jack Doyle. He's a favorite target of each of the last two quarterbacks in Indy. Now he gets a very tight end friendly quarterback in Rivers and an offense that fits him. They got additional outside weapons and running backs, so he should be open more often as a safety valve. Certainly better than his number 18 tight end ADP. You know, some saw Trey Burton as a threat for touches, but Burton is more of a big play or a mismatch guy like Ebron used to be. And note also that Ebron or that Doyle dominated snaps and targets even with Ebron around when he went to the Pro Bowl and caught 14 touchdowns. Burton dinged already, too. Hines might struggle to see the field with a crowded running back room. I think there's a lot of looks in store for Doyle again this year. I tell you, you mentioned these two guys, and on, on, I've got a lot of shares of both Doyle and Herndon, and in fact, in one of my FFPC uh, teams where literally three t- tight ends is a must in a point and a half, my number two is Doyle and my number three is Herndon. So the one thing about uh, Herndon, go. though, Chris, is that he did leave practice today with tightness in his chest yeah. area, and they're having that checked out. So, uh, you know, yeah. we're going to cross our fingers. Hopefully it's not nothing to worry about, but we're going to update on, on uh, NFL uh, QuickBits on our QuickBits page. So uh, hopefully it's nothing. It's just something to, to monitor over the next 24 hours here. A couple of guys that I like at tight end this year, uh, uh, Hayden Hurst. Uh, what's not to like there because he's going to a team that loves us to target the big uh, tight end, and that's what he is. Uh, the question is, can he stay healthy, uh, you know, mature? Uh, he's got the talent. It just didn't really uh, come out uh, because he was playing mostly behind Mark Andrews there uh, more as a blocker than a pass catcher in, in Baltimore. But he's going to be the guy in Atlanta, and I think, uh, you know, he's worth uh, – uh, this is somebody that you can either wait and draft as a one if you want to wait to the later rounds, the middle, middle rounds of your draft, or you can take as a two, uh, especially in, in the a PC system. Uh, Noah Fant over in Denver, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just going on a gut feeling here. He didn't show much last year. He had a couple of good games towards the end, showed a little bit of chemistry with Drew Locke. So, uh, you know, I think that Fant is worth a pickup as a backup, and you might be able to get borderline uh, t- tied in one production out of him. We'll see. A uh, couple of guys I'm, I'm really uh, just kind of staying away from completely. Ian Thomas, now he just uh, suffered a toe injury, so uh, but I don't think it's that serious. But he hasn't done nothing uh, when he was replacing Greg Olson there. And now they got Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I'm just not seeing very much love, uh, you know, uh, in terms of uh, pr- uh, predictions here for him. But uh, there are some people out there that think he's the bomb. I, I don't know why. I'm just he's not on my list. And the other guy is Jimmy Graham. We all know that bad knees. That equates nothing. I mean, he shouldn't even be in the NFL. Uh, let somebody else uh, draft uh, Jimmy Graham, and, and you can you can draft uh, Herndon uh, instead. <laughs> anyway, uh, for you, Chris, what about a couple of tight ends you're not crazy about this year? Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on Noah Fant. I do see a lot of people predicting a breakout for him, but but I don't see a lot of good reasons for that. Broncos added a lot of weapons on the offense, a lot of receiving weapons, which will draw targets. And while this might help him get better coverage matchups, like I mentioned for Doyle, I'm going to question whether or not his young quarterback possesses the savvy to maximize those, those mismatches. You know, you look at Fant's moderate tight end two production last year, it was buoyed by two really big plays, like 80-yard touchdown sorts of things. He had 13 games at 10 PPR points or less last year and was among the poorest catch rates in the NFL for tight end. He was down in stone-handed Eric Ebron territory as far as catch rates. Uh, with no clear path to more targets, I struggled to see why he's expected to take a quantum leap this year or have that upside you talked about, which is what you really need to have in a, in a backup tight end. You need to have that, that big upside play. Uh, and then as far as another creeper, a guy I see being drafted a lot as a starter is Tyler Higby. Um, I do like the Rams passing game to bounce back this year. I got a harder time seeing the finish Higby showed in 2019 
being anything more than a consequence of the circumstances that evolved late in the season. I mean, he was damn near invisible for three-fourths of the season until Gerald Everett got hurt and had been a clear afterthought for position, but then got all the tight end looks for five weeks and led several teams to fantasy titles, probably. But even with that volume and being among the league leaders in red zone targets, he didn't score often, and there's no guarantee he's even going to start in 2020, I don't think. At worst, Everett's going to be there and cut into that ludicrous volume that he saw in December and invalidate the draft position that you're going to have to take to spend him based on ADP. Yeah, you were exactly right there about Higby uh, leading people to big championships. The the, the guy that uh, that ended up winning the FFPC, uh, all of it, three hundred thousand last year, I believe, because uh, I think they went up to five hundred thousand this year. Uh, he had Higby on his team too, and uh, you know you just can't predict that type of production, especially if you got a healthy Everett behind him. And you made some good points on fans. So this is you know uh, we don't talk about what we talk about beforehand, how we're going to handle these things, uh, people. Uh, this is why what you're getting in with two people, the co-hosts that know what they're talking about. We do a lot of uh, gut feels, but we also do a lot of dives into statistics, and it's good to have two different opinions so you can make up your own mind on that. Anyway, we want to thank you for joining us. For uh, Chris Rito, uh, this is Mike Nazrak. We bring the 2020 preseason to a close. Uh, and on a happy note, hopefully, we're all scheduled to start the season next week. We hope that it does continue, and that's when we will see you next Next week, when we preview week one of the 2020 NFL regular season, I'm really excited. Are you excited, Chris? Woohoo! Yes. <laughs> All right. And don't, All right. And don't Good night. We're gonna be, Good. We're gonna be, don't forget we'll be going live later next week, 11 p.m. Eastern, for the initial broadcast. There you go. That's right. We're, we're going to go to our regular bat time, same bat channel and all. It's going to be 8, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific time. Well, good night. Uh, good luck. Good luck to everybody drafting. And football is going to be back, baby. It's like nine days away, and we can't wait. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazarak, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.